Welcome to the Digitally Native podcast, a podcast that explores what it means to be digital and to live digital lives. I'm your host, Fungai, and together we will explore a range of topics and trends around digital and social media and digital innovation. So grab a drink, buckle up, and let's get right into it. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. Um, I hope that you're having a great week, a great start to your week, or whenever you're listening, that um, the days of the week have been kind to you. Um, As you know, I like to start my podcast with an anecdote or a little nugget of life uh, experiences or a slice of life. And today I really tried to think of something to share and I couldn't quite come up with anything um, except that we are in the month of February. Uh, And I know that um, a lot of people have this conversation about how exactly we pronounce that month of the year. Uh, Is it February? Is it February? Is it Wednesday? Is it Wednesday? Uh, It's one of those things that every time we enter February, people have a little bit of a debate about. Well, I call it February. Um, I've just always enunciated an R. I guess we all have our different ways of saying things. Um, It's also the month of love or, well, every month should be the month of love, but hey, it's February. So everyone's getting uh, in their feelings. Uh, So let's see how that goes. But today's episode, we are discussing whether or not millennials will eventually quit social media. Now, this is something that I have been thinking about for a little bit of time, uh, given that I've noted, as many other people have, the shifting dynamics of social media use among uh, the millennial age group. I think there's a lot to unpack around millennials as a generation. There's there's just been so much distinction of millennials, and maybe I'm biased because I am a millennial as well, Uh, but there's just been so much distinction of the millennial age group in so many different spheres and areas of influence, not just um, from a social media perspective, but I think there's there's various spaces where you can look at a generation of people and say, "Mm, why does this generation of people stand out? Now, I'll use one of my popular examples, which is tennis. Um, I have always been an avid tennis fan, and I started to watch this new uh, Netflix series about uh, tennis. And I've watched the first episode, and I didn't quite get the premise of the show, And then I went online to check what the rest of the episodes might be looking at. And it's basically looking at this next generation of tennis players who are coming in uh, in the wake of the retirements of the previous generation, which is this millennial generation that includes Serena Williams, Venus Williams, Roger Federer, um, Novak Djokovic and, and Rafael Nadal who have all basically rewritten the script about tennis. And there's something very interesting to unpack there because you know that, that's also a very generational thing that had not happened before, that you had all these uh, really outstanding players emerge in an era. 
And so there's all these kinds of different intersects of where millennials particularly have stood out as a generation. And I've read different content where people are trying to unpack what it is about millennials and millennial culture that has made um, this generation particularly uh, prominent. And so when we take it to the social media space, of course, it's, it's really interesting to study millennials or to look at millennials a little bit more closely because this is a generation that has, in the era of the digital space, is, is the only generation really that we can look at as kind of going between from the offline reality to the online reality, kind of traversing that space um, of not having had access to any digital and social media platforms and tools, and then shifting into that space. So depending, because the millennial age group is so vast, you know, you have some people saying it's from 1981 to 1996. So you would then have the oldest millennial as a 42-year-old and the youngest millennial as a 27-year-old. So that's a very vast age group. And, and it speaks to very different experiences. Obviously, if you're 42, you're having a very different experience to a 27-year-old. Well, not necessarily, but it speaks to uh, people being of different times and eras and, and um, kind of navigating social media in different ways. So if you're looking at a millennial who's 41 years old, um, they probably grew up into their late teens, early 20s without access to social media. And then if you're looking at a 27-year-old, you might be sort of looking at someone who started using social media from six, seven, eight, nine, ten, going going forwards, depending on the access of their parents and the environment that they've grown up in. And I, I always like to make clear that even though we're speaking about these issues and situating a, a group of people in that context, we need to also understand that the digital divide still does exist. There are people who are Gen Zs who don't have access to digital and social media tools and platforms. And there are also people who are millennials who don't. But obviously, this speaks to those who do have access and who have engaged. And so, you know, that group of people and individuals who make up the millennial age group have had all these different dynamics and shifts happening in the time since uh, the Internet really became a thing and social media emerged. And so they come from a space where, you know, you had blogs, you had WordPress, and you had, um, there was another prominent one, Blogger, I think it was. So this online journaling, this life writing um, in the digital space that a lot of people from that era would know about and have experienced. Obviously, this is the precursor to microblogging through platforms like Twitter and Facebook, etc. But blogs enabled people to build communities by telling stories. And these were tended to be longer kinds of posts and texts than obviously what we have today and now. Uh, and, and very intimate, very personal. And so that's, that's an interesting place as an entry point for millennials to start engaging with the digital space prior to social media really emerging. Because there was a lot of that personal engagement and sharing 
that really marked the beginning of social media's use and how many people felt like they were building community with other people because they were sharing real life experiences. And then, you know, you had other platforms that emerged. I think one of the bigger ones that people like to speak about is MySpace. I never used MySpace, so I don't entirely know the premise of how it worked, but I do know that um, you could share music and share things about yourself as well. And that was something, again, very engaging because there was a personal element to it. People felt like they were in community with other people. And then obviously we have the emergence of bigger platforms. YouTube sort of shows up in 2005. And I think from my memory of experiencing YouTube, um, YouTube wasn't used so much in the ways that it has now uh, become more prominent for. I think if you think back to those times, this is a time before a lot of live streaming is happening and people don't really have access to music um, in the personalized way that we now have access to it. So I think at that time, YouTube was more used for people to look up music that they liked, play songs and the like. I mean, this is I'm not too sure when Spotify and, and other platforms like that became very prominent, but this is obviously a time when you don't have so much control over your playing your own music and um, having playlists. So I remember that YouTube was quite popular for that reason. Uh, because you could go and find a song and you could listen to it and you know at last you can pause a song and listen to the lyrics and replay it in a way that's um, you know digital versus uh, different ways that we might have been having access to to music that's not to say you know there weren't other platforms there were cds and the like but here's an actual online service that shows you the video and that you can, you know, manipulate in whatever way to get whatever information you want about the music or the song. But obviously that has evolved. YouTube has become a little bit more of a um, influencer tool or a space for people to monetize their life stories and um, share aspects of, inform of information about themselves. But yes, I think at the beginning that was more what YouTube um, was catering to. And then you had, you know, Facebook emerging in 2006. Uh, well, it had existed previously, but it was not publicly accessible to people beyond uh, selected universities and high schools. Uh, but then it, it became publicly accessible in 2006. And that became a really groundbreaking space because it allowed it allowed you to find people you knew from your childhood, from school, and all these people you'd kind of lost contact with. So I think that was, again, this personal element of the space and how it enabled people to reconnect and also share a little bit of this life writing, this live journaling about experiences, personal uh, achievements and milestones and different things that people just felt they would want to share and connect with other people over. And then Twitter emerges, emerges in the same year in 2006. But at that time, Twitter was not as popular as it has become or, or the, I guess people feel like Twitter is on its demise or it's in its demise. So there's an era that Twitter really has a 
glow up. And that's um, precipitated in a certain way by the Obama president, former president of the U.S., the, uh, his race to office in 2008 and how his team and also, again, this millennial age group rallied behind his cause through social media and use of Twitter in particular. And so Twitter starts to become a little bit more prominent from about 2008 onwards. And, you know, it just kind of is used in these ways that are very vibrant and um, groundbreaking for activism. And then you have other platforms that emerge like Instagram, released in 2010, eventually bought by Facebook. And Pinterest, again, launched in 2010. Snapchat releases in 2011. Then you have uh, Vine, which was a, a popular video sharing app, which emerged in 2013. And then TikTok emerges, interestingly enough, in 2016, but only sort of uh, starts to become really popular in 2019. So you see this era of a generation just having all these different platforms emerge that are tailoring to different needs and aspects of digital sociality. And so this is a specific experience for a specific generation. Um, Gen, Gen X, which is the generation that comes just before millennials, would have had and did have a very different experience with engaging with social media because they were older at the time that it emerged anyway. So, you know, there's a kind of, um, uh, you know, you sometimes you see this kind of sentiment from people from Gen X when they say, oh, I'm so glad Facebook only emerged when I was older because if I was younger, I would have been, you know, sharing all kinds of information about my life. And that's where people feel this shift between generations where they say, well, we didn't grow up with this kind of publicity about our lives. And so we use social media very differently to the next generation. And um, so it's, it's quite a specific experience. And um, all these platforms have emerged in that time for this specific generation. However, there's also that thing that I, I mentioned earlier that most millennials do know of a life pre-social media. So it's quite possible to imagine millennials quitting social media. And, you know, as millennials are getting older, having families, businesses, and more um, professional profiles, there tends to be less publicity with their opinions. Um, people start to shift out of this life writing, online journaling that set them on their way into the digital space and close up. They use less and less of these platforms. You see less uh, personal opinion, more um, things that are, you know, safe to share. So Facebook is kind of at this point in time, I think, being kept alive by a lot of millennials and older generations who just use the platform to share information about their families, uh, about their travels, about life achievements and milestones and the like. And you see a lot of uh, millennial culture on Instagram is kind of tailored to a soft life aesthetic, sharing about how, you you know, people don't want to 
struggle through life and, you know, they want to drink champagne and sit on a beach and enjoy life. And that seems to be a very strong aesthetic for the Instagram millennials. And, and then you see, you know, different spaces. Twitter has become quite curiously a space where you see a lot of, uh, if you're not doing this by the age of 30, read this list. And then it's, you know, it's a thread about what you need to change about your life and all of that. So it's become very life coachy. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not the same space it used to be, I think, for uh, activism and organizing and people just sharing these bursts of information about their lives. It's, it's shifting. And that's because the generation that started to use these platforms is shifting in its own mindset. It's shifting in its own perspective. And so uh, as they shift, as these millennials shift, so too does the content that they share. And I think it's really important to um, point that out because, you know, there's two camps of uh, conversations around the use of digital spaces. So there's some people who believe that um, we are shaped by the tools we use. We are shaped by technology. And this is what people call technological determinism. Sorry. (laughs) Um, And um, determinism. Yes, technological determinism. And there's another group of people that believe that uh, we shape uh, technology. As human beings, we obviously interact with the technology and the technology is not value-free. Well, the technology is value-free. It has no, it's, it's an objective tool and it's the people who use the tool who give it the meaning that it then takes on. And so this is what I am alluding to by saying that, well, millennials have shifted so the, the platform itself has shifted in certain ways. It's not entirely value-free. It has its own rules and uh, norms that it follows. And those rules and norms change and shift with time. For instance, with Twitter, you started off with Twitter having 140 characters as the maximum count for a tweet. And then that doubled over time to 280. And so obviously the technology has shifted in itself. It's made space for more content to be shared in a tweet. Now you can also share videos and photos. That didn't used to be possible at the beginning of Twitter's um, life. But even with all that happening, there is as well the fact that people are shaping the use of the platform. Twitter is not what Twitter used to be because the people who are using it are moving on or are moving in a different direction with their perspectives. And that's why it's really interesting and important, I think, to look at whether or not millennials will eventually quit social media because they're shifting in their perspective. As such, their use of these platforms is changing and sometimes even tapering off. And so that has very strong consequences for the survival of a lot of social media platforms. And, um, you know, we can look at this and say, well, we could look at older generations and see what they're doing. However, the older generations beyond millennials do not offer a lot of information to work with because Gen X in itself was not engaging with all these platforms in the same ways that millennials do and have. For instance, things like Snapchat, Instagram, um, 
they, those are mostly the preserve of millennials. And so Gen X would use those platforms, but they're not the majority uh, users of those spaces. So it's really hard to make assumptions based on an older generation because that older generation has not experienced the social media platforms in the same way as this millennial generation. And then when we try to look at it from the perspective of a Gen Z, which is the generation after millennials, that's also very challenging because Gen Z uses social media in a completely different way. Um, I've mentioned this before about how studies have shown that Gen Z, for instance, uses TikTok uh, for uh, like a Google search. So rather than actually go on to Google and find information there, a lot of uh, a lot of Gen Z uses it to find uses TikTok to find information about things that they want to know more about. And so that's already shifting the dynamic into a completely different direction. However, another really interesting thing to note about Gen Z is that Gen Z is not as hooked on the idea of sociality and socializing as uh, millennials have been on social media. And so that's completely changing the script of the story. Uh, as I said, Millennials came into this era of blogging and life writing and sharing information about themselves and, you know, curating their lives in a certain way that also promoted sociality. And now here's a completely different generation that's not interested in all those things, is basically talking about what they want to talk about and doing so in a completely different way that is not entirely premised upon building community with other people. Not in the community in the sense of having a very personal knowledge about other people's lives and experiences. The community is formed in a very different way. It's around trends. It's, about, it's around um, common interest in themes. I mean, that's not entirely different to what millennials have done. But it's, it's, a, it's a different way of engaging where a, a trend can bring people together and then they don't feel a need to communicate or connect beyond the trend or the cause. And so there's that whole shift that's happening generationally where the social aspect of social media is, is sort of going in a different direction. And so that begs the question again about, about what these social media platforms will do, given that they are so much premised upon people connecting on some kind of personal level, uh, advocating for causes in a, some kind of continuous way or fashion. And here you have this generation that is not about that life and um, is doing things completely differently. We've seen conversations around quiet quitting, for instance, which is very much associated with, uh, with Gen Z. And quiet quitting is about, you know, doing the bare minimum of one's job or work and then, you know, not putting any more time or effort and just kind of, you know, doing what you are paid to do and kind of clocking out at that time, which, you know, has elicited a lot of conversation from different people around, you know, is that actually ethically sound? Is it, is it, is it something that is shifting around the work culture with Gen Z? Because older uh, generations haven't so much adopted uh, that kind of style such that it now has this wording around it. So you have this, this generational shift, and it's quite interesting to ask ourselves, 
how social media platforms will survive without millennials. Because I don't know. I don't know that we have enough platforms that Gen Z is taking up in a substantive way to keep them going if millennials decide to quit. I think the one social media platform that looks like it's set on its way has to be LinkedIn. Uh, because LinkedIn is, again, it's fitting with this shifting uh, dynamic of being more professional and being more curated and being more um, fitting into the right boxes. Uh, I, I saw this tweet by Janet Machuka, who is a, a social media, uh, she's a marketing expert and uh, an influencer in, in different spaces. And she had this tweet where she said, uh, social media platforms be like Instagram, I live a better life. Twitter, my opinion matters. LinkedIn, look, I'm employed here. I'm the CEO or founder and I have all the monies. TikTok, y'all are welcome. Even your stupid video can trend too. I'm that addictive drug. And so it's a humorous way of setting out the parameters of different platforms and what they're used for. But, you know, LinkedIn, like, like Janet says, is saying, hey, look, I'm employed and I'm successful and I've got my stuff together and I'm a real adult now. And I think we can look at older people beyond millennials and Gen X and beyond who use LinkedIn and was probably, probably sustaining LinkedIn for a long time before millennials felt a real need to shift into that space because I don't think LinkedIn was as hot <laughs> at the beginning of the social media era. I think a lot of people would rather have been on different platforms engaging in a social way. And only because millennials are getting older and becoming more stable and established are they using more of LinkedIn. But we can look, I think, more closely at what Gen X and beyond have done with LinkedIn and say, you know what, I don't, I, LinkedIn might survive. But who's to say? Because we still need to see what Gen Z is going to do with LinkedIn. Because if we're talking about being in this quiet quitting era, who's to say what the, the changing dynamics of work culture is going to look like with a generation that does not want to curate itself in the same ways that older generations have done. However, my, my bet is that, yeah, at some point, a lot of Gen X will also go into what millennials have gone into, which is a more stable kind of mindset around future and personal growth, etc. And LinkedIn, to me, sounds like the platform that could survive. Uh, I want to call it the carnage of social media, but I don't want to be fatalistic. I, I think that social media is going to have to social media platforms are going to have to make a lot of changes to continue to be relevant. Just looking 10 years from now at what those dynamics might look like, given that we can just look 10 years ago and see this complete shift. I mean, 10 years ago, Facebook was winning the, the draw. Facebook was the space to be in, and now Facebook is in this demise. And you have TikTok that's taking over from that space. And so I'll leave you with that. And I hope that's given you some things to think about as well. Um, we shall see. Only time will tell. But uh, it's always good to have a talk about it. So thank you for joining me and have a great rest of your day.